Welcome to the Tech Role Models podcast. I'm Eliana, and in this episode, I am joined with Jasmine Lopez Valido, Strategic Partner Manager at WorldPay. How did you find your way from university to WorldPay? I finished university, well, I was in my final year actually of university, um, Eliana, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I sort of came back in the September and knew I had a full year ahead of me of a lot of exams, um, dissertations, but also it was sort of, you know, people were starting to really talk about what they were going to be doing in terms of next steps for their for their sort of careers. And at Manchester University, where I was, they had a careers fair. So I sort of went to this day, wandered around. I wasn't really sure what to expect. And Vodafone were there and I got chatting um, to someone from Vodafone and they said, look, we've got a graduate program. And I had studied languages. So I knew that I sort of wanted to work for a global company with, I guess, the potential of going and living and sort of working abroad. So I applied to Vodafone, which is obviously where I met Anna and got in there. And I did. So I started in their graduate program, which was two years. And that was rotating around various roles. So commercial product. And then where I ended up and did the remaining sort of two and a half years, so I did about four and a half years in total, was in the consulting team. So we were working with large sort of enterprise clients, so big names, so like big companies, sort of like, I don't know, like Tesco's or like Cisco. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, Eliana, but big tech companies. And I did that in London for about a year and a half. And then I went and joined our same consulting team, but working out in Asia based in Hong Kong, which was great fun. So I did about a year and a half out there working for our clients over in Asia. And then it was a time when there was this technology, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, that was sort of coming about called blockchain, which you may have heard of Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies. It's the technology which underpins that. And we were actually doing a consulting sort of bit of work around that. And I sort of really started to get very interested in it. So after doing about a year and over a year in Hong Kong, I thought I would leave Vodafone and leave Hong Kong and get into and sort of try and start my own thing in the blockchain world. So I came back to England. I found a business partner who was very technical. Um, He was sort of a family friend. And we basically tried to look at how we could reprocess, reinvigorate the food supply chain through using blockchain technology. So I did that for about nine months um we sort of went and spoke to investors and we tried to really pull together a bit of a business case and then after nine months I was quite exhausted by Eliana it was quite tough you know I had no means of income I was living off the money that I saved in Hong Kong I'd moved back in with my parents and I thought gosh it wasn't as easy um to sort of start something up as I thought it would be so then I was looking at, so I really enjoyed blockchain technology. I thought it was a fascinating space. And I guess I built up a lot of sort of technology experience, not deep in, you know, as much as the engineers, but on a more sort of commercial and that level as a a sort of broader understanding and the impact that technology can have on for businesses. I really built that knowledge up at Vodafone. So I was looking at where I could go to use blockchain technology and where where it was going in the future that wasn't going to be an industry that I was going to go into and it was sort of going to you know deplete on me. And payments was something where blockchain technology was sort of being talked about. I mean I guess as we see today with cryptocurrency, but what really interested me, Eliana, is the fact that it could 
enable people so that we're working overseas to send money back sort of instantly and without the huge fees that we have when you send money. For example, when I was living in Hong Kong, I had no idea, but I had an HSBC in Hong Kong and an HSBC in UK. And when I'd send money back, it would take, you know, five days and cost me £30. And I was thinking, this is crazy. It's the same bank. So that was what spurred me to get into payments. And then I actually did a bit of time at a payment startup. So still in that startup world. And I loved it, but I thought I was in a sort of commercial role, so sales, and I didn't enjoy that so much. And then I thought, you know what, I I loved my time at Vodafone and working in the corporate world. So I wanted to go back and work for a corporate in the payment space and WorldPay was sort of one of the leaders. So I applied for a role in their partnerships team. I didn't get it first time round. And then I went for another partnership role about four or five months later and I was lucky enough I think they saw me back again and thought she's definitely keen and interested so yes and then I joined WorldPay in May last year as a strategic partner manager. What a journey (laughs) so what exactly does a strategic partner manager do and how has your work influenced the success of WorldPay? The strategic partner manager team is comprised of, when I started, it was about six partner managers, and now it's grown extensively. There's a team of about 30 of us. And we are responsible for managing the partnerships with WorldPay's largest partners for our global e-commerce, which is like online business. Um, So they're the types of partners that we look after. And the way in which it's split, Eliana, so, and I'll sort of the, the, the roles. So there are three aspects of it. So it's really commercial, technical and marketing. So commercial is really how can we work with that partner to enable us to win new business? So we're closing more deals, we're generating more money for WorldPay. Technical, you need to have technical integrations with these companies. So when let's say a online retailer is using one of our partners, They need to have a seamless journey for when their consumers are going on and paying. Therefore, they need to have technical integrations into us. So it's managing and ensuring that we have the latest and greatest integration with them. And then as well, it's looking at a lot of marketing initiatives and how we can really use that to drive more sales from them. So things like event, you know, sometimes we're lucky enough to take them out to big, you know, nice corporate events I'm actually I think I'm going to the British Golf Open in July so it's spending time with them and really forging and building lasting relationships with these partners and I think in terms of how my work has influenced the success it's really been forging those strong relationships that we have with partners with some some of them you know that you have slightly weaker relationships with them so it's really how can I ensure that we are staying top of mind so that when they have a client that comes to them they are then referring you know world pay as their sort of payments provider because a lot of our partners don't just work with us at world pay they will work with our competitors as well so Stripe, Adyen, um, Checkout it's really sort of how can we stay top of mind for our partners and their salespeople as well? How has the development of the tech industry changed the way in which you do all that and in which WorldPay works as a product and a company itself? I think in the last couple of years, we've really seen the competition increase. 
a company which I mentioned before, Eliana, they're called Stripe, and they are a sort of payments. I mean, they're not quite a startup anymore, but they were founded by two guys based out in Ireland. And they've really brought to market a payment solution which enables quick and sort of easy setup. So let's say that you set up a business, Eliana, you wanted to sell, I don't know, shoes or something. I need my my customers to be able to actually pay for my shoes. So you're going to need a payment solution to go with your sort of online fancy, lovely website with your nice shoes. So what Stripe did is very clever. They sort of came in at that small company size level, and they really enabled them to set up a payment solution instantly. So it's like, I think, five lines of code, which is nothing, you know, to integrate. And within a day, you can be set up and you could be have customers coming onto your website and offering a payment solution. So the competition has really grown um, significantly. So we've really had to obviously keep up with it that way. And also the technology has advanced massively. We are sort of going through a big uh, process at the moment to, and we've created a brand new uh, gateway whereby we can connect into our customers. So we call them merchants and into our partners as well in order to keep up with the competition that we are against and that offers all the latest sort of features and functionalities. So yeah, I'd say the development of the tech industry has really been rising competition and also the advancement of technology. So you mentioned that competition has increased. So what techniques is Wallpay used to kind of reach number one spot because they are number one UK payment provider? How has that been maintained? I'd say there are sort of three three prongs to this. So the first is that we invest heavily in research and development. So that goes into our technology. I think it's around 7% of our annual, I think it's revenue or profit is put back into research and development each year. So as I mentioned, we're building this new gateway which really competes with the sort of global competition which we're facing. Another area is attracting, you know, the best talent in the market. So we've really had to, with the rising competition, we've had to look at how as a business we get, you know, people like you, Eliana, coming out of, you know, school, university, being interested in world pay um, and coming to work for us as opposed to our competitors. And then, you know, off the back of this, what can they offer us, you know, um, the sort of programs and initiatives that they've had in place in order to help attract and then retain the best talent in the market. And then thirdly, I'd say where we really play as well pay to us, you know, our strengths versus our competitors is really our global coverage and our local licenses, which we have in each of the countries to process payments, which when you have a local license, it in turn makes it cheaper to sort of process payments. So we're going through a big effort at the moment called geo expansion, geographic expansion, whereby we, we are investing heavily in technology and resource and expanding into regions um, in Europe. So Spain um, and Portugal and France are being heavily focused on at the moment. We've got local sales teams in there speaking the local languages, being able to converse with the local companies. Latin America is another huge one whereby we're partnering with some local companies to help you know, us well pay compete with our competitors' payment solutions. And then we're also expanding into APAC as well. 
Um, and we very recently acquired a local payment license in Malaysia, which means that, yes, we'll be cheaper to work with there and we can service, you know, our global clients that want to operate in Malaysia as a sort of more emerging market. We can service their needs. So those are the three things, I think, which WorldPay are doing in order to sort of advance as a company and maintain our spot. <laughs> so one kind of recurring theme that I've encountered whilst doing these interviews is that quite a few people never saw themselves working in the tech industry because all the stereotypes of you need to be techie to go in the tech industry. And obviously saying that your degree had nothing to do with tech. How do you feel that that applies to you? Yeah, of course. So I was never 100% sure early on sort of what I wanted to do. But I think going in for me, obviously going working for a global company was quite high up on my agenda, given I did languages, but also going into an industry, I think, which was continuously growing and evolving. And technology is, you know, it's a very exciting space to be. And I think this is sort of backed up by the fact that specifically payments, we're seeing a lot of rise in competition, which means that a lot of people are getting into it. People are starting businesses in this field. To your point around, you know, not being so technical and having that expertise, I would say, I mean, the majority of people that I interact with at WorldPay on a daily basis are not hugely technical. We have a very large commercial, so sales team, and, you know, they don't come from technical backgrounds at all. Neither do us sort of partner managers. I think something that's really important is just industry experience. And that's sort of what you gain when you work, obviously, within the same industry. But a lot of my skills and sort of understanding of how to do business, I learned at Vodafone, which... I guess aren't too dissimilar from WellPay and a lot of sort of areas, but it's really sort of building on the industry experience, the experience even that you have. And I think that's, for me, that's been extremely valuable rather than having that technical background. And, you know, I'm able to leverage technical support all the time. I work with someone, we have a sort of technical team who supports our part- partner managers. So when there are really technical questions, you know, Eliana, that I just don't understand, there are people that know those questions. But a lot of it, once you start to understand the phrases and a lot of the jargon and what things really mean, you then will be amazed at how much you actually begin to learn and understand within the sort of technical space. So I don't see it as a huge issue, not being that technical. I think industry and having work experience is extremely valuable, far more so for me in in my sort of client-facing roles. You really don't need to be techie to kind of go into that route. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And I know with our graduates, Eliana, that we hire and I mean, interns, we've got some interns actually coming into our team that are second year university. You know, they're not doing technical degrees at all. And I mean, I know at Vodafone, when I applied on the graduate scheme, I mean, we came, well, I mean, I did languages, which is nowhere near technical. You know, there were people that had done media production. Um, I think, you know, getting out of university and getting into that, that first role, it's more sort of how you are as a person and how well they think you can, you know, quickly they think you can learn um, and just work with other people. It's it's an exciting time for you and you've got a couple of years left yet. I've always found it really fascinating seeing how many different roles there are in a company. And I just found it really interesting to see a company isn't just, so a tech company isn't just people behind screens. Yeah. It's marketing, it's strategy it's everything all in one business yeah 
exactly definitely um so yes it's it's good that you're aware of that because I guess a lot of people like I was you know I wasn't I wasn't quite sure and you sort of see these tech companies and think I don't have a technical background you know will I fit in will my skills set be relevant but as you said there are so many people working in these big companies and I also think it's important you know at the end of the day Liana it's we're sort of people selling to people so you've got to have you know those skills that are able to you know discuss communicate both internally within the within the company and then also externally as well so yeah there's, there's definitely not just te- te- technical people so there is one, one more question that I asked in previous podcast do you think that people should fear the future of technological advancements Oh gosh, which is quite a big question. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess there are some things which are yes to be fearful of, especially you know within the younger generation and them getting so into technology and being exposed to so many things. But I would you know like to be quite <laughs> not not so negative and think that you know technology can really be used for good. And I think, you know, seeing that in the wider world and as a sort of as a lot of the world comes up and has access to, you know, I guess, mobile phones, which, you know, the majority of people do nowadays. But the ability to, you know, be able to carry out an easier life through the tools and technologies which they are provided, I think is exciting. Um, But yeah, I do. I do think that there's that sort of level of fear as to the, the evolution of technology and on our sort of personal lives. And I guess maybe something that you'd be looking at as well with our sort of mental states. I don't know if that's related to the sociology part of it. But yeah, it's definitely, you know, something that I'm mindful of. Um, I've got a, you know, a little, a little niece who's only two. And I think, you know, to just see her even now with like a mobile phone, just watching something and, you know, she's, they get the phone out and it's like filters go on for Snapchat and instantly, you know, she knows what it is. I think that's, it's quite scary. It's very young. I think the the repercussions of that can be quite, well, hopefully not too negative, but, you know, in some cases they can be quite severe. Thank you, Jasmine, for sharing your experiences. Thank you very much for listening. Tune in soon for another story. For more details, go to techrollmodels.com.